nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I will be your host today for the Nonprofit MBA podcast. Uh, as many of you may or may not know, I am the co-founder of Financing Solutions. It's been a, around for over 11 years, and we are the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. If you are interested in learning more about our popular uh, line of credit program, um, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Nick uh, Lynch from Kaleidoscope.io. Nick Lynch is the co-founder of Kaleidoscope.io, and he is a cancer survivor and also a Make-A-Wish alumni, and he knows firsthand the power of a cause-focused organization, which is why he created Kaleidoscope. And Kaleidoscope.io is a marketing analytics and measurement platform that allows global causes, influencers, and brands to collaborate and measure their cumulative influence and impact. Nick, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So <clears throat> today's topic, uh, which I'm excited about because uh, I don't think I've covered the topic before in the past, over 200 episodes, I think I don't, we haven't covered it and I'm glad, glad we kind of uh, are going to get a chance to talk about it. It's leveraging social impact from influencers for nonprofit marketing. Uh, Nick, before we kind of get a little bit more into the discussion, let's talk first about what influencers means. Sure. No, um, it's a it's a great question, and it's a it's a word that has continually changed really since the beginning of uh, social media influencers of people who have some type of audience on uh, social media platforms. But um, th the way I, I always frame it is that everybody has some level of influence, and it no longer really matters how many followers you have. I mean, you could have a friend who has a follower in count of fifty. Um, and anytime he or she makes a book recommendation, you know, the 50 followers tend to follow that person because he makes good book recommendations and that has some level of influence. And so, you know, the, it's really kind of been reframed as the creator economy now is now there are just a ton of, um, people on social media who make amazing content and who are creators themselves. Um, but influencers are, are, are typically anybody who has an audience on a social media platform that people follow um, and that they provide some perspective on one topic or various topics um, ac across their, their, their social media channels. So what, what does Kaleidoscope do? Sure. So, you know, I, I think it's probably good to hear kind of the backstory and some, in some context, right? So please, um, yeah. you know, my personal back or my professional background has really been based here in LA for the last almost 16 years, building solutions for brands and advertisers to better, target their audiences on, on digital and social media. Uh, and like you mentioned um, in the intro, I'm, I'm also a, a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. I'm on their advisory board and have been a very big part of the LA chapter for about eight years. And so in 2020, when COVID hit, um, you know, the first thing I thought of is, is what are nonprofits going to do now that they can't generate revenue in person events? And how can I leverage my 16 plus years in advertising and understanding how brands work to bring more 
corporate and brand dollars into the equation, knowing that brands are spending, you know, billions of dollars a year on cause marketing. It's definitely a line item for them, um, not just, you know, corporate social responsibility spending, but also actual cause marketing. Um, and so my thought process at the beginning was if I can provide reporting on the, the, the marketing that brands are doing when they partner with nonprofits, that's that that will allow them to understand the value of what they're doing that I can not only bring more money in, but I can also scale it. And I also knew that social media influencers wanted to be a part of uh, cause marketing. They have a platform that they want to broadcast social impact causes for. Maybe some of them have causes that are near and dear to their heart. So if I could present them with opportunities to join a brand and a nonprofit in some type of marketing partnership, those are additional ways that I can create more touch points and scale. And so that was really the genesis of Kaleidoscope was bringing all of these stakeholders together, measuring the marketing impact of these collaborations, but also measuring the mission impact um, for these organizations so that everybody involved could really understand the value of their partnership and we could repeat them uh, or optimize them over time. And so that's really how Kaleidoscope started. If you fast forward now to which is it's almost three years, which is wild, we've, we've really turned into uh, a, a tech enabled um, services business that kind of sits on the intersection of, of media marketing and measurement where uh, not only do we still have uh, measurement and analytics technology that supports all of these pieces, um, we obviously have a marketing arm that uh, not only sort of consults and develops campaigns, but also can help understand, help brands understand how to develop a more robust CSR marketing um, uh, initiative and program, help transition CSR programs maybe out of HR into marketing, um, but also from a media standpoint, helping so many of these nonprofits who make great content uh, around their, their cause or around their mission connect with corporate partners who are looking for uh, learning opportunities around different causes. And so we have, we kind of jokingly internally call ourselves the Deloitte of social impact, but that's essentially what we do is, is help really scale the, can't the, the, the brand and the corporate side and the nonprofit side work better together on various facets to scale their, their collaborations together. So how, so let me test my understanding here. It's going to be really, really limited, um, but I'm very curious in this. So a nonprofit organization comes to you. They say, we want to build our, um, we want to use influencers more to talk about our cause and you, you go, okay, so this is who you should go to, you know, after some research and then my, my, uh, he's, you're nodding your head saying, yes, and I'm, I'm correct. Since this is more, uh, audio. Um, and, and my, my, my next question is really the more important question is how do you measure it? Sure. So we, we sort of coined the, the, the phrase double ROI, which we look at the return on investment and return on impact. So um, through our process, which, which you totally nailed, I mean, we definitely have a, a survey and a census process that we better understand the expectation, the goals, and the target audience for a nonprofit. Uh, we use all of that data um, to build a very curated list of influencers that we believe are aligned with the cause as well as that can actually drive real impact and results for the campaign. And then once we uh, actually launch a campaign, we measure 
marketing KPIs. So typical ones that a marketer would look at, like reach, awareness, engagement, click-through rate, some some of the, the basic terms that you're probably familiar with. But then we actually also look at the correlated impact of what those campaigns are actually doing. So that campaign could be a drive to drive followers to a social media account. It could be to drive um, people to sign up to a newsletter or um, a petition or a volunteer um, piece, or it could just be to drive people to the website to donate, right? It could be various things. It could be all of those things. Usually it's about one of them because we like to keep calls to action really laser focused. But we look at both of those sides of the equation and then start to correlate actual um, mission you know, so marketing tactics to, to mission outcomes. And that's how we measure it holistically and provide granular and transparent reporting to both sides. So they, they, they understand and know the value of what they've done. And essentially nonprofits can look at this and say, oh, wow, this partnership or this campaign worked in these ways. We should optimize and scale this for next time. Or this partnership or campaign didn't do anything. And we should absolutely maybe not work with that partner in this way, or maybe not allocate as many resources to this partner next time, those sorts of things. So it really gives real good insight into both sides of, of that equation. And of course, uh, you can also track donations as well. I guess you do a separate URL or something like that, that would track, okay, the this influence drove people here, and this is how many donations we got. Yeah, we can correlate from the, from the top to the bottom in terms of how much reach and awareness that right. influencer achieved, what their engagement looked like, how much clicks their posts generated or their profile generated to which pages that they generated them to. And then ultimately, um, did, did those um, users uh, culminate in some type of donation? And we can see sort of how many, okay. how many donations that advertised do you, those donations, do that you, kind of thing. Do you do this just for nonprofits or do you do it for for-profit businesses too? We do it for both. I mean, our, our, our focus, both. you know, Kaleidoscope's focus is social impact. So, I mean, but we work, our, our brands, or excuse me, our clients are both corporations and for-profit businesses as well as nonprofit businesses. And so our, our, again, our, our vision is, is really about bringing everybody together, uh, being really data-driven, collecting as much data as we, uh, as we can <laughs> so that on multiple facets of social impact, we can provide, um, better insights into how to make things better next time, right? And optimize current uh, opportunities as well. So uh, just give me a real life example, uh, you don't have to use names, of, of an influencer that, that you, you know, okay, so the nonprofit came to you, says, we wanna drive donations, um, we wanna do it through an influencer. Did you go talk to the influencer uh, and and say, hey, we got this nonprofit. You do this. You care about this. This nonprofit does this, you know. Or 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 does the nonprofit do that legwork, or the the marketing agency that they're working with, if they're working with an agency, do it? Or do you find the influencer? Great, great question. Um, depend. Generally- they're all great questions. Of course they so. are. <laughs> they, you know, the general answer is that it, it kind of depends. I mean, every, especially agencies, you know, typically have a different sort of standard operating procedure as, as nonprofits and some in-house marketing teams have different standard operating procedures than agencies. So generally it depends, but ma- the majority of the time, the reason why we're brought into the equation is because we understand the kinds of questions to ask to unearth the, the right insights from a particular cause or a particular cause focused campaign, which then lends itself to building really targeted and really well-crafted influencer lists or target lists to talk to. 
Um, and then from there, we have a very specific cadence of outreach of what we say and how we how we communicate the actual opportunity, all the way down to creating and crafting the campaign brief, the calls to actions and the things in the in the framework and the guardrails, not necessarily the exact things that influencers should say, because they should have the creative license to speak how they speak or talk to their audience, but we at least understand how to provide a really great framework for that. So ultimately the outcomes um, of those posts, because all of those steps leading up to that have been sort of kaleidoscope steps lead, lead to high outcomes or high performing campaigns. As you know, uh, our, uh, our listeners to this podcast are typically smaller nonprofit. They're under $5 million in yearly revenue. Um, are those type of nonprofits using your service? Sure. Yeah, we absolutely have, you know, various services that really meet any, any nonprofit or any organization where they are, no matter what their sort of uh, overall revenue is, no, no matter what size nonprofit is out there, what we typically say is that focus on the story, find advocates that align with that story, and then utilize advocates to build community. And then essentially that's, that's sort of a, a cyclical thing that we always suggest. So it really doesn't matter the size uh, of, of, the, of the nonprofit. And, and as long as they're focusing on those things, they can build a presence uh, and partnerships with both brands and social media influencers to develop campaigns that are are similar to what that we execute. And again, as whether or not they have a marketing budget or not, that framework works no matter what. Now the uh, let's say that the listeners that we have today are not very really versed in social media or an influencer. I mean, you get clients like that, like I, maybe they hear you, uh, they hear about you at a conference they're like, okay, I, you know, I can kind of see it. I can kind of see where these influence can multi- multiply the, the message that we're, we're, we're resonating. They have credibility. They have a built-in network. They care about our cause, uh, you know, once we talk to them. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's some, you could see some similarities in what they talk about and versus the cause. And, um, uh, but I, I guess my main question was even so they see you at a conference, they listen to you at a conference, the nonprofits, and then the executive directors or whoever. And then they're like, how do we find influencers? So how do you typically find influencers? Not you, well, yeah, even you, but there must be some nonprofits too that say, hey, well, these are some people that we think are good influencers. We, we'd like to use your tool, your, your software to measure it, but. You know, how, how do you find influencers? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the, the, the top of what you just said, just real quick, I mean, I would say 99.9% of most nonprofits don't necessarily feel fully comfort, comfortable or confident in their social media skill set or their influencer marketing skill set. So I think that would probably be every, nearly every nonprofit. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, we've built some technology and some solutions to help us search and filter influencers uh, based on our process. Um, but I, I think that if you, if you're understanding, if you, if you have a really clear and clean story and you've built, you've become a really good storyteller about your mission and you can, in that story, you have some really key important phrases, maybe some particular, you know, hashtags that have you've used in the past. It's pretty simple 
to use the the tools on the platforms today, whether it's Instagram or TikTok, you can search for hashtags or keywords and just start doing just some searches on those that are that are aligned with your mission. Could be you know you know plastics or recycle or environmental or whatever the case may be, and then you can actually start toggling and sorting through top accounts, top posts that all have those types of keywords or those types of hashtags that are used. And doing that type of thing, I mean, you can definitely go down the rabbit hole for sure, but doing that type of thing generally will start to unearth some people um, that that would or could be aligned um, with your mission enough that have a significant audience that you may want to reach out to. So that's a very simple and easy way to at least start finding advocates. I mean, I think that a lot of the organizations that we work with, again, varying uh, time around as well as just size, um, you know, kind of look at uh, an influencer strategy in, in, in similar ways where they are looking for, for advocates that are that are that truly want to be partners that don't necessarily look for uh, some type of paid component or paid marketing campaign. They just are really dedicated to the cause and, and want to participate in maybe um, flagship or tentpole events once or twice a year. And those are great advocates to help build community. And then you have your other maybe more transactional influencers who, um, you know, love the cause, but still need to be paid in some capacity and, and want to, to participate, but need some form of compensation. And so that process of searching for keywords or hashtags that align with your mission will help you unearth probably both and give you opportunities to build relationships and conversations um, with those types of um, creators on those platforms. Off the top of your head, do you have a good case study based on numbers um, um like okay i was working with this one nonprofit that was you know smaller and um you know they did this cause and they spoke to they we got this you know give me a whole scenario of how yeah. it's how it all transpired yeah no 100 i mean my favorite one that i always talk about was actually like one of our first because i just felt like it's near and dear to my heart. I know the executive director really well, and I'm very thankful that she gave us the opportunity to test this out. Um, um, but ultimately, it also was like the, the first one that validated what we're doing and why we've been successful in doing it for three years. So um, it was kind of in, I think, in, right still at the middle, in the middle of COVID. And this was the organization's first um, ever like streaming event that they were doing, essentially replacing their gala. So kind of high stakes, right? Um and it was a health-related nonprofit. First time they'd ever done any type of digital experience like this. And they wanted to leverage social media influencers to help them drive awareness and ultimately, um, you know, registrations for the event, uh, signups for the newsletter, uh, and donations. And they were actually also selling like a, uh, a an att- like an, an additional piece to enjoy um, this this um, digital event. And you know, in the all of the years of them doing any types of events or marketing for events, they had never once actually measured anything. And so um, what we did is, is we put a, a measurement practice in place. We identified influencers that aligned with the theme of the event, as well as the, uh, the cause itself, um, and started deploying those influencers and the content to really um, promote the and, and generate awareness for this event. And very quickly, and we measured everything, not just influencers. We also measured their paid camp- campaigns, their email campaigns. Um, and very quickly, we saw that the only channel that did any type of 
um, provide any type of lift for what they were trying to achieve was influencer marketing. So quickly, step one allowed us to really lean into social media and influencer marketing and sort of reallocate resources and time away from the things that weren't working into the things that were. So that was a, a big, great thing that that was an early uh, piece of it from a time and resources perspective. And then as we were doing influencer marketing campaigns, we, we identified that there was a particular platform that worked best, which was Instagram, a particular type of image or content that worked best, which was uh, sports related. And then um, a particular type of call to action that worked even more phenomenally than anything else. Very, very quickly, so much so that it allowed us to reduce cost on other things to really dump into the things that were working. And ultimately, we reduced the cost. I think that I think typically, you know, anywhere from 40 to 6 percent is what a, a cost ratio would be for uh, an event uh, of, of this type. Um, and we reduced the cost ratio down to like 9 percent, which was like unheard of. Um, and we blew past their, their their donation goal or their campaign or event goal. I think by like I think the with goal of like one hundred and forty six percent or something like that. So you know it, it it all was because we were able to see which channels worked, and then within those channels, particularly again influencer marketing, what types of content and communication resonated best to drive the outcomes, since we were measuring both. And then at the end of the day, it drove outcomes up, which was great, and reduced cost, which is even better. Um, so. That, I think that's my favorite use case, um, again, just because it was our first, really one of our first um, around around doing the types of things and the importance of measuring everything, but in particular, the influencer marketing execution and the outcomes related to that. How, how many times have you had a situation where a nonprofit organization came to you and you said, you know what, I don't think this is the, I don't think uh, influencer marketing nonprofit marketing, you know, influencer marketing is right for you. Happens all the time. Right. I mean, I think cause, cause for us, first of all, philosophically, I'm like, I'm a softy at heart. I never want to work with anybody or, or, or engage in a business relationship where we can't provide value, which is part of the reason why we spent a lot of time creating free resources and, and free technology, just because we think it's the right thing to do. Um, but, but ultimately if, <laughs> If you don't, if you don't, if you don't have a locked-in story, if you're not a good storyteller, or your mission doesn't necessarily have a crisp story to tell, and by story I mean not a story that you invented 20 years ago when your nonprofit started, and the same story that you still use today. I mean, the audience has changed, the consumption patterns change, the story and how you tell it has to change. So if your story isn't locked in to 2022, 2023, the way people communicate and understand things and perceive things. Uh, if that's not locked in, um, then that's sort of like a red flag for us. And we always suggest like, hey, let's help you or or you should maybe go back to the drawing board, really figure out what that story is and how you want to tell it. Um, so that way we can help you support advocate searching and community building before we do anything else. So, I mean, we're again, I to the detriment of our business, maybe, um, you know, I turn down way more than than we ever bring up and, and we provide as much feedback as we can as possible to align people to where we think they, they should or need to go. So influencer marketing has been around for a couple of years now, right? About seven or eight, um, you know? Yeah. How, how is in, how is, how are influencers? Um, what's the right word I'm thinking? Uh, how are they evolving? That's the right word I was looking for. Yeah. So, I mean, there, it's interesting because, 
from a creator standpoint, like in the actual creator economy, and if you're a creator creating content on a regular basis, there is, you know, what it's all about time and attention, right? Like you are building uh, an audience with your sort of perspective and your time. And if you're not able to draw attention from um, your time and your perspective, then as a creator, that's where you're challenged. And so, you know, the creator space is, is all about trying to figure out how do you do that at scale. Um, and so, you know, we're going through sort of this process now where um, creators are going to different platforms because of monetization or because um, of an algorithm. And so it's a very interesting time. But at the heart and at the core, I mean, creators are people and they have feelings and they have a heart and they are all passionate about something. And so, um, you know, I think that it's in a tremendous, I mean, influencer marketing or, or their creator economy is arguably the most effective means to communicate uh, or promote something right now, arguably. And so, and, and that's not going to change because of the way that we consume social media and because they are the ones that are creating the content for this place. So um, now has never been a better time, I think, to sort of understand the ecosystem, to begin conversations with people who are aligned and passionate about a cause or your cause, to understand how it works and what what ways that we can collaborate together. How can we build community? Because like I said, you got to be a good storyteller, you got to build advocates and you got to build community. And so those are the three things that I think one or all of them can be built or, or partnered with through um, creators or influencers. So let me give you a scenario. Instead of me asking the question, sure. let me give you this scenario. You have a nonprofit that comes to you and their cause is related to uh, their audience is for senior citizens. Mm -hmm. Does that, do you think that that is a good nonprofit that would find an influencer? So it could. So, so here's, here's generally what I say about influencer marketing and, and marketing in general. It's always about babies, puppies, and kittens. Like those, those three things always resonate the best. This is the reason why St. Jude's has been so successful. Obviously they're an amazing cause and produce amazing work and are an amazing mission and they're huge, but in their marketing, like if you were to look at it purely academically, right? It's kids, it's babies. It's talking about how we help children and, and kids to be, live healthier lives and to, to heal them and to cure them. Um, there's a reason why like the Sarah McLaughlin infomercial has lasted and has been so successful for so long. Cause there it's, you know, it's, um, it, you know, it's images of, of dogs that need support and help. Right. So ultimately kids, babies, and puppies, those are the easiest things to market to or, or about missions to, to market about. However, everybody has a, a parent or a grandparent. Um, and so maybe the cause is, is senior or age related. Um, but that's not necessarily to say that you couldn't target the people that care about their aging parent or their aging grandparent too. So it would, it, it's tough to say without knowing exactly what the cause is um, to figure out if that's the right thing for influencer marketing. Um, but it is challenging, well, my question right? I mean, there, there is challenges around marketing um, things outside of like those three core um, things of, of kids, dogs, and puppies, because everything else is, is sort of is challenging from an, like it's, it's intangible. And so if you're able yeah. to, to, to have a really great story 
around what it is that you do and be able to really concretely build visuals around what that mission is and who it impacts, then, then you have a chance at it. But um, you're definitely challenged outside of those three, I would say those three things of dogs, puppies, or puppies, kittens, and babies. Yeah, the reason I, I should have just asked the question more directly, and that is, um, you know, when you think about influencers, I think about, you know, young, a young person um, who is the influencer and, you know, whatever they're, in, you know, talking about, whether I, I see them as young people and their audience is young people. So in the scenario I gave, it was, you know, a, a cause that, that, um, yeah, maybe had to do with AARP and, or, you know, it had to do with senior citizens. Are senior citizens, uh, uh, being influenced by influencers on social media? That's a great, great question. I, funny, uh, you know, side piece about AARP, I'm, their fastest growing segments are 20 somethings. Um, but the, if your audience is senior citizens, well, when you're going from when you're going from one person to three, yeah. you know I'm I'm kidding. Yeah. So, but go ahead. Um, you know the if your audience is senior citizens, I mean their their media consumption still is probably more traditional television. They probably still open the mail and uh, they read the newspaper, which I get it. So obviously, yeah. definitely yeah. not. That's probably not an audience. However, you know Facebook has a a heavily skewed audience that is older than 40. So there are definitely Facebook is a platform and there is an audience on Facebook that can definitely be a target for influencer marketing. Again, it just kind of depends on the messaging and the story uh, and those sorts of pieces. But I, I would say that it, social media use, even Instagram and TikTok, which TikTok used to skew like 18 and younger, um, even TikTok now is starting to skew older too. So uh, age shouldn't be a barrier, but definitely like if, you know, you're trying to target 72 year olds, I would probably say that like influencer marketing is probably not the best route. Okay. L uh, we have a couple of minutes left and I want to cover this. So I want to give our listeners a checklist of things that they would do if they're thinking of using influencers in their nonprofit marketing efforts. Right. What's the first thing you think that they should do? I, I'm a broken record, but it's the story. Make sure that your story is crystal clear and is, has been built or reformatted or reworded in the last couple of years. Right. Okay. Um, number yep. one. Number two, be really clear about your do's and your do nots, what, what you would be okay with an influencer doing, what you would not be okay with an influencer doing. Um, that's probably number two. And, and number three would be, be very clear about what the ask is at, you know, trying, you know, talking to a, an influencer sort of in general is about, yeah, it'd be great to collaborate. And we'd love to figure it out. They're going to, you know, you're going to talk to anybody on the creator side and they'd be like, yeah, we love your cause. We'd love to participate. Um, but nothing ever concrete is going to be come happening in front of us. So, Understanding very, very clearly what you, what the ask is, um, and making sure that that's clear to the person that you're talking to on the creator side is vitally important if you want anything done. Because essentially, they'll either say that's too much of an ask, or no problem, that's a great ask. But there needs to be some very specific ask uh, around that, and you need to make it as easy as possible for that creator to execute that ask. So if it's 
you know, share this pamphlet um, that we built, then make sure that they have the link and it's very clear what they want, you want them to say um, and those sorts of things. If it's an image, again, give them the image, make it very easy for them to share. Essentially, make it as frictionless as possible for a creator to do whatever the ask is uh, and they'll likely do it. I do have one more question before we, we kind of wrap it up. So when they're, when a, when an, a, a nonprofit's going to engage you, um, then what percentage of your engagement is the value is the measurements that you're tracking versus helping the nonprofit find the right influencers. So is 50% the value of what you bring to the table, the measuring of the, of the campaign uh, and 50% the let's finding the right influencer, or is it 80, 90% the measurements and 10% um, finding the influencer? So my perspective is, is the majority of the value comes from the measurement. Um, because to me, if, if you know, the what you're doing and the value of what you're doing um, and the outcomes of what you're doing, a couple of things happen. One is that you can work with corporate partners in a much more sophisticated and scalable way to actually bring in more dollars. So because if you can report back to them the value that they actually got and the value that actually provided to the, to the organization, corporations are going to spend more money with you, sort of bar none. The other piece is that from an operations perspective, because I geek out on the operations side, is that if you know what works and what doesn't, you can optimize in or out the things that work or don't work and lean in and scale the things that do so that you can really see sort of orders of magnitude as you put more resources towards something that works. So I'm super biased and a, and a big data nerd. So that's what I believe. But I also understand that, that, that you know, that a lot of the perception is, OK, well, did we do good today? Not necessarily are like thinking about future opportunities, but like, did we do good today? And so in that respect, um, it probably would lean and skew more towards, did we find the right influencers that did they actually drive what we wanted them to do? So it's, I'm a little biased in my decision-making process or my, my thought process around that. But, um, you know, I think it just depends on the perspective of the partner. All right, good. It's uh, all the really good stuff. I learned a lot today. I really appreciate it, Nick. Yeah, no um, so I'd like to thank so very much Nick Lynch from Kaleidoscope.io for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. I've always said this, you know, uh, and that is if you're just listening to the Nonprofit MBA podcast uh, with guests, uh, experts like Nick, uh, you're just, your organization is going to run really well because my guests are excellent, just like Nick was today. And if you like today's podcast, uh, um, please, or any of the past ones, please give us a five-star review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your organization, you can also call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Nick, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? You can go to kaleidoscope.io. That's C-O-L-L-I-D-E, like collide and scope, S-C-O-P-E.io. Um, you can email me, nick at kaleidoscope.io, and I hope to help however we can. Thanks. So, um, you know, at the end of every podcast, and I will do it to the end of time, I just want to thank our listeners uh, for all the work that you're doing to make the world a better place. 
we certainly need it. Certainly a hot, in my 57 years of life, I feel like it's um, always a tough time uh, coming to make the world better. I know Nick is doing his part and I'm trying to do my part as well, but you guys are out there in the front lines working hard and I thank you for that. So uh, just remember that you're only as good to your family, your team, your organization, and your cause as you are to yourself. And you need to take care of yourself first. Because um, I know how uh, executive directors and members of a nonprofit can just really go all at it and forget about themselves. So please take really good care of yourself. Other than that, uh, it was great talking to Nick today. And, you know, everybody have a fantastic day.